0: Psalm 148 through 150, these are three of five, what are called halal or praise psalms. You might recognize those couple of syllables, halal, from the word hallelujah. The word hallelujah uh, is actually taken from two Hebrew words, one meaning praise. Hallel means praise. And then Yah is a shortened version of God's ancient name, Yahweh. I took the time this week to uh, Google a question, uh, and that was, what what is the one word or the few words that are the same in all languages? And come to find out that there really is only one Uh, And that's the word huh, or huh. Apparently, every language on the planet uses that, and it actually is a word with a definition in the dictionary. Uh, You will notice that the word huh, H-U-H, has three letters that are in the word hallelujah, which means absolutely nothing at all, but I just thought I'd mention it. Uh, it, it, for those of you who are linguistically trained, it, it doesn't mean anything, but I will say this. The reason I looked and asked that question is because there are a few words uh, that have almost universal use among human beings. Two of them are the word amen, which in Various pronunciations appears in dozens and dozens and dozens of languages, and the other is the word hallelujah. Wherever the gospel has gone, wherever the scriptures have gone, it is interesting that believers have not bothered to translate... Very often translate the Hebrew term, but rather keep it and just pronounce it in terms of their own dialect or their own accent. So you could go to Japan, where I grew up, and it's alleluia. You could go to various parts of the world, and it's some version of this word and this pronunciation. The word means praise Yahweh, praise the God of the Bible. And it is a call to worship. And as you look at Psalm 148 through 50, there are 27 times in these three Psalms when we are called to praise God. In Psalm 150, we've already heard 148. 150 reads, praise the Lord, or hallelujah, hallelujah, Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thirteen calls to praise, 13 praise imperatives in six verses. I'd suggest to you, my friends, that that is emphatic. I would suggest to you that that means something. Whenever the Bible repeats things, it does so for a reason, so that we would pay attention. When there are 13 repetitions in six verses, you can be sure that God wants us to pay attention. This is a call for the people of God, for you and me, whoever we are, wherever we are from, whatever we have been through, to be a people of praise. Now it's important before we proceed to see why God is worthy of this this kind of praise to at least ask the question, why God calls us to praise? Why does he want us to praise him? There are those, especially those who are cynics and skeptics, who read the Bible. And who suggests that the God of the Bible is some kind of uh, egomaniac, that he's somebody who's after worship and after praise. And he's, he's, he, he must have some kind of self-esteem problem that needs to be, you know, a, ta- a self-esteem tank that kind of runs on empty every six or seven days. So tells people to come back to church, you know, praise him again. And his self-esteem goes back up as if as if God is vain, as if God is like us when we get all dressed up and we look good and we go to our family or friends, how do I look? How does it look? And, you know, we're begging for praise as if God somehow or other is deficient. God somehow or other needs our praise. No, that's not it. Friends, you and I can never give God anything that he needs. God has it all. Acts 17 says, God is not served by human hands as though he needed anything. You can't give God anything that isn't his already. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the wealth in every mine. He owns it all. You can't give him an offering. You can't give him a gift. You can't give him praise that doesn't belong to him already. So why does he tell us to praise him? It's not so that he can feel better. It's not so that somehow or other he can feel something. I believe it is so that we can feel something. He calls us to praise. He commands our praise so that our joy in him will be complete. C.S. Lewis has observed that praise is the completion of joy. Praise is the completion of joy. What does he mean? Well, have you ever noticed that when you experience something really cool or you experience something really beautiful or really powerful or really skillful, you're not content just to see it or to hear it? What do you do? You tell someone about it. You share it with someone else. Why? Because your joy in that experience is not complete until it's praised, until others hear about it, until it's shared. You wonder why I talk about Gayleen's cooking so much. This is why. It's part of my joy. She, she hates it when I do this, but it's part of my joy, not to make her hate it, but to praise What is praiseworthy? Or you go on a trip to Alaska. Anybody who's had a friend who's gone on a trip to Alaska has experienced what on the other side of the trip? 5,000 pictures of Alaska. Because he or she who goes there must complete the joy by sharing the praise of the beauty of Alaska. We, we hear something on America's Got Talent, who this amazing 13-year-old sings or 9-year-old sings. And, and the next day, everybody's talking about it. Because our joy is not complete until we have praised that which is worthy of Praise, Psalm 84, blessed are happy are those who dwell in your house praising your name. Happiness comes to us. Happiness is completed in us through praise. Why does God command us to pray? praise Him? Well, first of all, the obvious, because He's worthy of it, as we're going to see in a moment. But it's not because He needs it. It's not because he craves it, it's because he knows we need it for the fulfillment and completion of our joy. Now, with that in mind, these three Psalms give us a number of reasons why God is worthy of praise. And I'm just going to touch on these briefly. These would be well worth your meditation and your reflection throughout the week and frankly throughout your life. Reason number one why God is worthy of praise? Because God created everything. Look at Psalm 148 and verse 5. Let them praise the name of the Lord. What? The sun, the moon, the stars, the highest heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For He commanded and they were created. And He established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not Pass. Why should we praise the Lord? Because He made everything, and He didn't just make everything, folks. He made everything by a commandment, by a mere voice, by a word from His mouth. As back in Genesis 1, let there be, and when the words let there be came out of His mouth, omnipotence or almightiness, eternal, infinite, Limitless power went with those words and spoke into the nothingness. And out of the nothingness came a universe. Praise the Lord. He has made all things by His omnipotent power. Second reason God deserves our praise is because He is awesome and amazing. He simply is awesome and amazing. Psalm 148 and verse 13. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. His name in the Bible, when you hear reference to the name of the Lord, it's it's referring to His person, to His identity, to His attributes, to who He is, to what He is like. And so the psalmist is saying, who God is, is exalted. And His majesty is above earth and heaven. Psalm 150 and verse 2, praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. He is awesome and He is amazing. His name and His majesty and His character and His attributes are exalted. He is, he is full of excellent greatness. I love it when the writers of Scripture do this. It doesn't just say, He is great. It doesn't just say, He is full of greatness. The writer of the psalm finds another word. He is full of excellent greatness. Excellent greatness. And the word means abounding, full and overflowing greatness. When you think about the attributes of God, His love, His mercy, His goodness, His truth, His eternality, His power, His knowledge, His wisdom, His kindness, His love. He is excellent in His greatness. He is amazing, and He is awesome. I love the images of Scripture. He is a blazing fire. He is, he is a high King of heaven. He is a, a brilliant light so bright that in our present state we could never approach Him. He is a a flowing fountain of all goodness. He is a rushing river of all life. He is the deep ocean of all love. He is the being that has no beginning and no ending. No start and no finish. He is all perfection, all beauty, all power. And He never changes. Yes, what do God's people say to that? Amen. Amen. He is excellent in His greatness. He is amazing and awesome and therefore worthy of praise. Third reason He is worthy of praise is because He delights in us. He delights in us. Look at Psalm 149 in verse 3. Let them praise His name with dancing, making melody to Him with tambourine and lyre, for the Lord takes pleasure in His people. The Lord takes pleasure in us. He delights in us. He loves us. He sings over us. He rejoices over us. Reminds me of me on Facebook. Best thing about Facebook? Seeing pictures of my kids and my grandkids. Just look for them. And I'm tempted every time I see one of them to share it and say, these are mine. Notice them. Notice them. Notice them. Notice them. Cutest in the world. Notice him. Notice him. Think of God with Job and how when Satan came into God's presence, God said to Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He's a righteous man and blameless in all his ways. And God boasts on Job. God delights in Job. God brags him up if you will to Satan. So here's one of mine. It's like God is in this heaven. I don't mean any disrespect or anything like that, but it's like God is in this heaven just watching all of our Facebook pages go by and he's mine, 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 my delight, my joy. Look at the faith of this one. Look at the endurance of that one. Look at at the encouraging grace in that one. Look at the humility of that one. Look at how that one is obeying even in hard circumstances. Look at how that one is being persecuted and yet staying faithful and strong. Look at them. They're mine. He delights in us. Surely this is worthy of praise because we don't deserve such delight. and We don't deserve such love. This is testimony to the greatness of his mercy and love. He delights in us. Fourth, God is worthy of praise because he has saved us. Verse 4 of Psalm 149, For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. He has saved us. He has adorned us. He has beautified our lives with His salvation. And and I was thinking about this. The psalmist, whoever it was, didn't know half of what we know. Didn't know a third of what we know about God's salvation. He knew that somehow or other, sometime in the future, God was going to work out salvation for him. But we look back and we see Jesus. Jesus we look back and we see the cross We look back and we see the blood-stained cross of Calvary. We see the atonement for our sin. We see Jesus hanging there, the eternal Son of God, hanging there in open shame and in death for our sake, to take the punishment for our sin. And then we see the tomb, and then we see the tomb opened, and then we see a risen Christ, and then we see the ascended Christ up to the right hand of God, and then we see the promise of the Holy Spirit sent into our lives to... do amazing things in us and through us and for us. This is the saving power of God. This is what God has done. If the psalmist prays God for salvation, how much more should we? How much more should we? God is worthy of praise because he has saved us. God is worthy of praise. Fifth, because he has done mighty deeds. Look at Psalm 150 and verse 2. Praise him, Why? For his mighty deeds. God has done amazing things. You read about them throughout the Bible. Many of them, creation, redemption, resurrection. But there's more. They've been in your life and in my life. Mighty deeds. How about the deed, the mighty, powerful work of God of regeneration, giving you a new heart? You you and I were dead in sin. We didn't care about God. We didn't care about holiness. We didn't care about heaven. All we cared about with ourselves, all we cared about was our sin. And we had no interest in God, all interest in self and sin. God comes into our life by His Spirit, gives us a new heart, makes us born again, changes us, regenerates us, miracle, bigger miracle than somebody coming back from the dead is a, spiritu- is a person coming to life Spiritually. It is a mighty deed of God, and if you're a Christian here today, that mighty deed has been done in your life. Praise God for His mighty deeds, and He's not done with them because His Spirit is still in us, and His Spirit is sanctifying us, and His Spirit is transforming us. And His Spirit is keeping us and preserving us in a world that hates God and hates our faith. And we, we are somehow holding firm. How are we holding firm to God? Because God is holding firm to us by His mighty deeds. And it's going to culminate when Jesus comes back. And then in one final act of might, well, it won't be one final act of might. He'll, there'll be might forever, but in a climactic experience of power, He will glorify us and turn us into blazing creatures of splendor. And He'll change everything, make everything new. And then we'll go on in His presence forever, celebrating His mighty deeds. God is worthy of praise because He has done mighty things. And He is worthy of praise because He gives us the victory. He gives us the victory. This is the point of Psalm 149, verses 5 and following. Let the godly exalt or triumph in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the people to bind their kings with chains. And their nobles with fetters of iron to execute on them the judgment written. This is honor for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord. You say, Where in the world did all that come from? This, these, these wonderful praise psalms. And all of a sudden, it's talking about swords and punishment and vengeance. And, and way back in the day, when these psalms were written and before, that was quite literal. It was quite literal as God often called his people Israel to go to war with his enemies. And, and it, was, it was literally bloody and it was literal battles and literal war. But today it's not that anymore. He who lives by the sword dies by the sword, Jesus said. Now the weapons of our warfare are not a steel sword. It's the word of God. It's the gospel. It's the sword of the spirit. And we win battles in the midst of our praise, by proclaiming Christ in this generation. And God will beat back the gates of hell through us. And this is reason to praise. And so the enemy of sin and the enemy of unbelief and the enemy of Satan and the enemy of death and the enemy of the fear of death, we have victory over them all through Christ. And so let us praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. For all these reasons, God is worthy of praise. Now, as we look at these Psalms, if we look carefully, we can see that there are three specific kinds of praise that God calls us and the universe to. There's cosmic praise, congregational praise, and complete praise. There's cosmic praise, congregational praise, and complete praise. And they basically uh, break down by the psalm. Psalm 148 is a call to cosmic praise. It It is a call to everything in all of creation, from the highest heavens to the host of the angels, all the way down to creeping things and insects on planet earth. Everything, praise the Lord. Let everything Praise the Lord from the heights to the depths, from the angelic host to the creeping ant, from the sun's rise to the sunset, from the telescopic to the microscopic. Whatever it is, let it praise the Lord. Let it praise the Lord. And indeed, it does praise the Lord. Just by us being able to look at it, all of nature sings the glory of God. And Romans 8 tells us that all of nature is suffering under the curse and is just groaning now. Wait till the new heavens and the new earth happen. You think nature's beautiful now? You're seeing a dim, faded, just just almost hollow version of the ultimate reality. All nature sings. God is worthy of cosmic praise. And he is looking for congregational praise. Look at Psalm 149. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel, that is all the people of God, be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. And then down to Psalm 150 and verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Notice, notice all the congregational and people of God references. Assembly, verse 1 of chapter 149. Israel, verse 2. The children of Zion, verse 3. His people, verse 4. The sanctuary, Psalm 150 and verse 1. The call is to congregational praise. The call is to God's people getting together and praising Him. We live in a, we live in a culture that says increasingly no to that. I don't need church. I can, I can worship God on my own. I don't need other people. I can do it on the beach. I can do it in the woods. I can do it. I can praise God on the mountain. Yes, you can. But I'm here to tell you that's only a solo. It doesn't get any better than a choir. When all God's people are gathered, when hundreds of voices are joined together, one day millions of voices joined together. Solos are nice. Choirs are way better. Choirs where the harmony and the, and the sound and the volume and the texture and the nuance and the beauty and the variety all come together. All come together. God's people coming together. God's people interrupting the everydayness of life. God's people joining heart and mind and voice to sing praise to God with one another. I am quite sure it doesn't get any better than that, this side of heaven. And please notice that this congregational praise is to be multicultural and multigenerational. Psalm 148 and verse 11, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children, multicultural, all peoples, all peoples. It's a call for all peoples and all nations and all generations to praise God and in this context it doesn't specifically say do that all together but as you move into the new testament you notice that's exactly what they did and as you look ahead to heaven you realize that's what we're going to do forever that's what we're going to do forever i was i was thinking about this recently and it brought a measure of sadness to me i was thinking about our recent celebration conference and event 1100 people gathered together 80 or 90 of you folks were there. I think back to it, and there was tremendous joy. There was tremendous blessing, but there, was, there were aspects of it that were profoundly sad. There was a moment when uh, I, as a leader of the conference, in order to do what the Scriptures say in terms of honoring those who lead us, I, I asked the pastors if they would stand and come and stand on the platform so that the people of the congregation could see them, and appreciate them. But the sadness of the moment was that there was no diversity among those pastors. It was a group of white men. I thought about it afterwards and realized that while that was a good thing to do, there were aspects of leadership that I wish I had brought to the moment. Things I wish I had said. Maybe something like, oh, for the day that's going to come. A day that's going to come when we look up on a platform like that and we see pastors with every single shade and hue of skin, every culture on the planet. That day's going to come in glory. A day's going to come when all peoples will join their voices together and let's stop and just pause and thank God that He has given us a little taste of that here. A little taste of that here. I am convinced that no presentation of God and the gospel is complete without a consistent echo of that theme. God's intent is that kings of the earth and All peoples, all peoples praise his name. He is looking for cosmic praise, congregational praise, and finally, complete praise. Complete praise. Where do I get that? Psalm 150, which I've already read, but as you as you read this psalm, you realize this is a call to complete praise. It's, it's a call for us to give all praise to God who is all worthy of that praise, and we are to do it with all kinds of instruments, with all of our being, by all who have breath so we are to we are to play all kinds of instruments we are to play these instruments singing loudly and dancing and we all if we have breath in our lungs we are to use that breath we are to use those lungs to praise him this is complete praise this isn't praise done in muted or on low volume. This is not praise done half-heartedly. This is praise that involves everything. It involves our minds. We have to think about God and what He has done, the reasons for praise that we've already gone through. It is a call for praise that involves our emotions. Make a glad and joyful noise to the Lord. Come before Him with reverence. It's, it's a praise that needs to involve our bodies. We are to sing. I don't know if you've ever thought about singing as, as really a physical act. It is spiritual and emotional, but it's physical. You need your vocal cords, and you need your lungs, and you need your lips, and you need your tongue, and it's a, it is a physical expression of praise. Not to mention dance clapping hands, lifting hands, bowing, kneeling. So you got your you got your feet, you got your knees, you got your lungs, you got your head, you got your tongue, you got your lips, you got your mind, you got your breath. Praise is not just spiritual, it's not just emotional, it's physical. It's physical. True praise starts in the mind, flows into and through the emotions and gets vented and expressed out the body. Maybe that's why the great theologian, Augustine, said that the Christian should be a hallelujah from head to foot. He should be a hallelujah from head to foot. It doesn't mean that all praise has to be loud. You Read some of the Psalms and you realize that loud praise wouldn't be appropriate. Some of the Psalms are meant to be wept over. Some of them are meant to be dirge-like. Some of them you're supposed to be quiet, but many of them, it's supposed to be loud. And it's a call to us to hand clapping, voice raising, feet dancing, body moving, arms lifted, physical Worship, physical worship. I, I got to tell you that it was about twenty-five years ago when Psalms one forty-eight through one fifty broke into my life and radically changed me. You, you need to understand. Um, I'm a. I was a card-carrying member of the Frozen Chosen Club. I. I, I mean, it was down to my bones and my marrow. Um, It's not to say that I or others that raised me or pastored me had no joy. They had lots of joy. It's not to say they had no faith or hope or emotion. They had it. But don't you dare let it show. (laughs) Uh, Because We were afraid of emotionalism. We were afraid of excess. And in our panic over the feared excess, we moved way over here. So I started reading the Psalms and studying the Psalms, and I came to passages like this. I said, Oh Lord, ah, what am I going to do now? Because the, you know, there's, there's just commandment after commandment, there's imperative after imperative, there's example after example of, of physically expressive worship, and, and I'm saying, Lord, I can't do this. Anybody relate? Yeah, yeah, hallelujah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you know, you're, you know, some of you can relate. I bet just by s- the thing about singing. You know, you have a hard time singing out, so. If somebody 's watching you real closely, they can just barely tell that your lips are moving <laughs> right just just barely tell it 's like when I first started being aware of these things and trying to walk in faithfulness to the Lord to learn how to do them it 's like, all right, lift your hands <laughs> eighty eight pound weights on my on my arm here and and I remember the first time, I, I remember the first time where I said, okay, I'm going to get really daring here. And I, I lifted my fingers. <laughs> it, it was almost just a twitching motion. And anybody watching closely would have said, Tim, you just moved. You know, it, you know, you know it's over time, it moved from the twitch to the hand a little bit more upward, upwardly directed. You still don't wanna see me dance. Uh, I can sway a little bit. I can bounce. And I can sing loud, for better or worse. Um, They say about certain athletes uh, that at the end of a game, Some of you will recognize this phrase. They left it all on the field. They left it all out there. What do they mean? They gave it all they had. All the strength they had, they poured it out on the field. Win or lose, they gave it everything they had. I believe God calls us to that kind of worship. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. Yes, But with all your strength, pour it out. When you leave here on Sundays, go home exhausted. Go home exhausted because you've left it all here. Uh, You'll find that there'll be plenty more awaiting you by the grace of God. But go home exhausted. We're going to give you a chance to do that in, a few, in just a couple of minutes. We're going to close. with. How could you do this message without closing in song, right? Uh, but what I want us to see is that, that God is worthy of this praise. And he wants this praise to be cosmic. Let all the galaxies praise him. He wants it to be congregational. He wants us gathered together to praise him. And he wants it to be complete, mind. Emotion, body, all of us poured out before the Lord. And so let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I'm going to ask the ushers and the worship team to please come forward, the ushers to offer to us the elements of communion. Because we're going to continue our praise here this afternoon through the observance of the Lord's Supper and then through the singing of two or three songs of praise. It's entirely fitting that joyful praise be connected to the Lord's Supper. Um, Remember the Passover of the Old Testament, a very solemn serious moment where the people of Israel were about to be delivered, but the only way they could be delivered is if they killed the lamb and they spread the blood of the lamb over the doorpost. And when the angel of death saw it, they would, they would, the angel would pass over them and not kill their firstborn. The ushers could come and start uh, distributing the elements, um, And the people of Israel were redeemed that day through the symbolic lamb, anticipating the day when the true lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world was going to come. Do you remember what the people of Israel did shortly after that as they were out in the wilderness? In Exodus 15, it says that Moses broke into song. And Moses' song is recorded there, and right at the end it says, and Miriam and all the women of Israel took up tambourines and danced, and danced. Because as solemn as that moment was, it was celebratory, it was joy-filled. Folks, it is solemn that Jesus had to die for us, the Passover lamb had to pour out his blood for us. But it's life and its deliverance, and its ransom, and its freedom, and its liberty, and its forgiveness, and its heaven to us. When judgment day comes, God is going to pass over us because he didn't pass over his son. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed us through precious blood. So, I think it would be fitting for us to take just a couple of moments as the ushers continue to reflect on this. Why is God worthy of praise? Because He has saved us through the blood of His Son, Jesus. Let's reflect quietly, pray, meditate, consider all that God has done in Jesus.